On Saturday, Northwestern played number four Notre Dame at Ryan Field. Thousands of Northwestern students and fans showed up for the primetime game. After a good second half showing, the Wildcats ultimately lost 31-21. However, this matchup has actually been decades in the making. Game Day editor Ben Pope sat down with the Weekly to discuss this very interesting history. We start with the first meeting between the two teams back in 1889. Back when Northwestern was playing in a stadium made out of wood that sat to about 10,000 people, um, and football was really just starting out across the country. Notre Dame won that game 9-0. In 1901, they met again, this time winning 2-0. Obviously, scores in that era were much, much lower than now. A lot of times, teams would punt on first or second down because the game was so much about field position. Uh, passes were illegal. You could only run the ball. There was just a lot different about that about that era of football, but it really goes to show just how long these two teams have been playing against each other in the sport. During the early days of the football program, Northwestern wasn't really much of a team. Uh, They would play like ETHS at the start of the season and other high schools and community colleges around the area. It wasn't really until around the late 20s when they built Ryan Field, what was then Dyke Stadium, uh, that they really became a significant program in football and started contending against other major programs like Notre Dame, like Wisconsin, like at that time UChicago. In both 1930 and 1936, Northwestern and Notre Dame went into their games undefeated. Back then, there was no such thing as an official championship game. Each season was only about eight games long. The winning team would have been considered national champions. Notre Dame won during both those matchups. Northwestern's football peak began in 1956 with the arrival of coach Era Parsikin. His true ascent began in 1959 after upsetting number two Oklahoma. This began a five-year run of Northwestern being among the best teams in the country. They played Notre Dame every year during that period and won every game. 1962 was important because it was at home and the best team of the years Parsikin was coach. They entered, I think, 4-0, had just beaten a very good Ohio State team on the road, and Notre Dame was not in their greatest era at that time. They weren't a national contender like they have been throughout much of history. Northwestern came in ranked number three, and they just uh, really wiped Notre Dame off the field at Dyke Stadium. I think the final score was 35-6. to At that time period, scoring 35 points was uh, a very rare thing to happen in football. Parsegan was one of the first coaches to really start using formations that had multiple receivers and that utilized passing as a significant part of the offense. And so uh, I think that was, to this day, the um, the highest attendance at a Northwestern football game ever. Uh, Dyke Stadium was a little bit bigger than they used to have stands on the north end. And so I think there were about 56,000 people there. Uh, and Northwestern winning launched them to number one in the rankings for the first time since, uh, I think, 42, and the only time since then. They ended up losing one or two games later that season and did not finish the year ranked number one, but still, for a couple weeks there, that was um, pretty much the peak of the program, and that was really sparked by beating Notre Dame. Parsique was a great recruiter and made players feel at home on the team. Northwestern wasn't really known for their athletics before he became coach, but he made the program into a contender. Paul Flatley was the star receiver of that team, and he was one of the first receivers in the country to put up big statistics. It was really around the time when passing was starting to become a significant part of college football offenses, and Parsegan was one of the innovators of that. 
and he uh, used Flatley, who originally was not a receiver, as very few players were, and converted him to receiver and used him on almost every play, which at that time was very rare. And so he really um, was one of the pioneers of that position and helped really spread defenses out more than any other offense in the country did at that time. Despite his impact, the athletics department was not producing enough revenue. When Parsegan's contract expired, other programs offered him much higher annual salary rates. Between that, the lack of a football culture, and low investment from Northwestern, Parsegan left for Notre Dame. Well, that really sent Northwestern into the downward spiral that ended up with them becoming the joke of college football in the late 70s, early 80s, and having the longest losing streak in uh, the sport's history. Then he really, at Notre Dame, cemented himself as one of the, the greatest coaches of all time. He won three national championships there, and that's really what he's, when he, uh, he passed away last year, and that's really what everyone thinks of when they think of Eric Parsegan as his time at Notre Dame. So it is, it's a little sad and a little interesting to think about what could have been had the university been willing to cough up the money to keep him at Northwestern, and perhaps it would have really changed the course of how the following 30 years of football at this university went. The team began a long period of decline. They hired Gary Barnett in 91, and he became the first suitable coach since Parsegan left. It took Barnett a few years to recruit new talent and start making a difference, but everything started to come together in 1995. Darnell Autry was the running back at that time. He had virtually never been heard of before. He wasn't a sought-after recruit. I don't think he'd ever played a game before 1995. And then he ended up finishing fourth in the Heisman voting, which is uh, basically the the trophy awarded to the the best player in college football. They also had Pat Fitzgerald was a uh, linebacker at the time. I think he had played the season before but wasn't a star. And then in 1995, he ended up winning the National Defensive Player of the Year and then did so again in 1996, which is honestly really ridiculous to win a national player of the year on defense twice in a row. I don't think anyone has done that since then. Barnett was able to sign players the university had not been able to get before, but no one was taking the team seriously. No one was really taking notice. I believe heading into the 1995 season, every major magazine and newspaper was still predicting Northwestern to be either last or second to last in the Big Ten. They were heading into a a road game against Notre Dame, who had been uh, just demolishing them every single meeting up until that point. It was a close game. I think Notre Dame was almost about to win at the end, but a, a fortunate trip by their quarterback allowed Northwestern to hang on, get a, a narrow victory, and really make a statement to the rest of the country that they were a team to be reckoned with again. Of course, it was a little dampened a bit because the following week they lost to Miami of Ohio, who was completely irrelevant, and everyone immediately wrote them off again. But then as the season went on, they beat Michigan on the road, they beat Penn State at home, and some other big wins and ended up winning the Big Ten title. And that was really the turning point of switching Northwestern from a program that was the laughingstock of football to what has over the past 20, 25 years been a, a pretty decent program. And so Notre Dame returned to Evanston for the first time since 1976. It's hard to be too down about the performance. Northwestern played well. Uh, they kept it competitive throughout. Uh, they staged a stirring comeback in the fourth quarter that fell just short, but made the score not only more respectable in the final, uh, but also uh, really showed like seemed like the team had a shot to come back and win against a team that's as dominant and thorough across the board as Notre Dame is this season. I think this is probably one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive, showing of the season so far. And uh, it's it's just mainly it's really fun to see Northwestern playing really notable games like this, getting a lot of attention around the country. 
and getting so many fans to a stadium that historically has not been the most raucous you can find. This game brought a lot of attention from across the country. Pope thinks this is more important than Northwestern's losing score. Potentially, these, this, the success of this two-game series in 2014 and 2018 seems to have renewed communication between the school, two schools and will hopefully lead to more games between them in the future, which I think uh, both sides would be happy about considering their proximity to each other, considering how many fans of both teams live in the Chicago area, and considering how both teams have become in recent years uh, relatively notable programs in the national football scene. This episode of The Weekly was edited by me. Special thanks to Ben Pope, Christopher Vasquez, and Colin Boyle. I'm Marissa Martinez, and we'll see you next week.